Self-worth is the unlock. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. And so many people come to me and go, you know, your father was my father. Like he raised me. I looked at him and he gave me hope. And then when I, you know, when I finally lost him at 17, oh my gosh, like I was not the person that I wanted to be, you know, for years. And it's funny, like if I circle back and I go, you, you all you had to do was watch the movie. Welcome to the Self-Care Savage podcast. A self-care savage is a term that I've coined that combines elements of self-care in a more assertive and bold approach to taking care of oneself and growing their self-worth. On the Self-Care Savage podcast, we will explore how self-care and self-worth are always in the driver's seat in all parts of our lives and how we act and react to life. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Take a quick second to give the podcast a rating and a review. That's how we grow and reach more people to spread the message. Hey, everybody. I am so fortunate. The guest I have today is Ethan Wayne. Ethan is the youngest son of my childhood hero, which is John Wayne. And I'm just so excited, excited to have him on here. So He's the uh, manages the John Wayne Enterprises and is also uh, oversees uh, the John Wayne Cancer Foundation. But after his dad died, which was in 79, and I think Ethan and I talked about this, he was 17 at that time. He started doing stunt work, right? After your father's death a little bit is what I got here. And yeah. uh, your first yeah. film was The Blues Brothers. At that time in my life, uh, my father had just passed. I was 17. I was a little bit rudderless. I'd missed the last couple months of school. He died in June. I wasn't wasn't really interested in you know what I was getting out of that high school at that moment, and uh, I was really rudderless. And I'd reached out to to a stuntman that was also a friend and uh, a guy who'd taken me. I liked motorcycles when I was young, and he'd take me to the races and stuff. And this guy's name was Gary McClarty. For some reason, you know, he said, I, I'm not at home. I'm in Chicago on a job. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, talk to you when you're back or something. And he goes, hey, would you like to work for me? That's almost like he could sense it. I just said, yes, I would. And he said, pack a bag and be at the front gate of Universal Studios on Monday at 8 o'clock. Scotty will put you in a van and I'll bring you out here. And, and that guy changed my life because, you know, 17 for me was a uh, – you know, I was like a seed with one green thing coming out and you didn't know which way that that was going to go. And I didn't, you know, thank God for those guys who, who worked for my father and knew my father. They took a little interest. They just gave me a, enough so that I didn't do the wrong thing. You know, you have those like scary dreams. My scary dreams are that I, you know, I did the wrong thing. So thank God for people in our lives that that make a little bit of a difference. I got to tell you, Scott, every time you pop up on my Instagram and you say friendly <laughs> reminder, you know what? Those help. You, you know, they help me when I hear them. Uh, they make a difference. But that's a great story. I mean, th those are those, th th those are things that are uh, important to remember. And, you know, that did take you somewhere uh, in a direction that, that you, the alternatives weren't probably where you needed to go is where, as you just mentioned. Yeah. Um, and you know, I could, I, I didn't do, you know, big crazy stunts like, you know, like you might think, 
but but I did work and I could ride a horse and I was pretty good on a motorcycle and I could drive a car and I was you know physically fit I could jump and roll around or get thrown off something so I, you know I could do a lot of the work but you know a lot of people can do it but those guys who I came up with in life you know from 5 years old to to then 17 they they made a big difference in my life some are still alive and, and some are gone but I was going through as I've gone through your dad's stuff since we talked a couple of weeks ago or three weeks ago, whenever that was, and just kind of revisiting some of those things. And so I got that picture from the John Wayne official website, uh, excuse me, official Instagram page. And it was, you know, your dad in front of that, that RV trailer or whatever camper. And, you know, he's, I don't know if you saw it, but he's, you know, holding you. But in the caption, it, it, it said that, I guess your dad was asked something and it's about you or something like that. And then he talked about how, you know, at 17, 18, you know, you're going to, you're going to be, he didn't know when he's going to see you again after you, after you head out. So for now, he's going to take you with him, explaining, you know, the age of maybe you playing his grandson in that movie because, and, you know, Patrick played his son and I think Patrick's 83 now. Is that what I read? Yeah, I think that's right. Were you close to Patrick and Michael? It was honestly, it was, um, yes, we're close and we're still close. But it was, uh, I can remember being a little bit confused when I was a kid because I had my older sister. And then four years later, I had my little sister. And then these people would come down, you know, once a year or twice a year, whatever. Not that often. They didn't live in our town. You know, so they would come and they'd be like, hey, your brother's here. And I'd, you know, I'd look up and it'd be like, oh. Not quite wrapping my head around this. We were all close, uh, and Patrick and I are still very close. You know, I love that guy. Uh, he's been a great older brother. He hired me for dinner theater plays that we did together, and you know, he's gone flying with me and boating with me. We've done a bunch of stuff together. It's it's good. And he like now that we do these runs for the Cancer Foundation, he's really good about coming out and being there and interacting with people and, and given his energy. And he's, uh, he's in Arizona now, right? No, no, he's in Los Angeles. I wonder where I got that from. But anyways, well, let me ask you another question. So uh, this is a little bit off. So your name, Ethan, did that come from uh, uh, the searcher's character, Ethan Edward? You know, it was one, yeah, shortly after that film, and I guess they liked the name, and so I, I got it, and I'm happy with it. I actually called me John Ethan, you know, my entire childhood. And then at some point they stopped calling me John Ethan and they just called me Ethan. I don't know why. So, okay, well, that's perfect. So let's kind of, we'll move move back on, on you a little bit. So you were in a, you did a little bit more acting, you know, as you kind of went through after that. Another gentleman, uh, Gary Jensen, hired me to do some TV shows. I was doing stunt work on those TV shows and then they gave me like guest star spots. So I got to be, you know, in a couple episodes of like Knight Rider and BJ and the Bear and, you know, different shows that were on in the 80s. And uh, then I got hired on a soap and that was, you know, solid two years of, of soap opera. Some of those movies, I was telling Paul, he's not going to know some of those movies that you're talking about or their television shows, BJ and the Bear and things like that. But that, that soap opera, <laughs> the name on there is Storm Logan, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the greatest soap opera name in the world. I mean, come on. Storm Logan. They all had unique names. There was, you know, Ridge, Thorn, Brook, Storm. There was a, a unique collection of, of names there. And man, that, again, another great opportunity. Really nice people. You know, I'm still friends with people that I worked with on that show. I think a couple of them are still on it, you know. It's been sort of a lifelong career, and uh, a lot of opportunity came from from that. You know, it was one of those things where I didn't watch soaps. I wasn't familiar with them. I'd gone on interviews, and, and I had to go back for that one a bunch of times. I remember I, for the last interview, I, I got a room at this weird little hotel called the Farmer's Daughter Motel, and it's across the street from CBS. And, uh, I, you know, I was kind of sitting there going, like, what am I doing? I'm in this hotel. I got, you know, Whatever. It worked out. I got the job. and Heck yeah. You know, steady work for a couple of years, right? Or just uh, something to do. Okay. And then, and also who, who talks about being in that soap at the same time as you is Robert Mitchum's granddaughter. Yes, Carrie. 
See, I some of these things I zeroed in on because they're they're all going to connect to Big Jake, which is the story that I'm going to tell from my childhood. But so all these little points I picked up on. So like, because uh, Mitchum's kid, um, what's his first name? His son, Chris. Yeah, Chris Mitchum was you know one of your uncle or yeah one of your uncles in the the Big Jake movie, and and then I guess she was she uh your, about your age. When y'all met on the set? Yeah. Like, I don't remember that meeting. You know, obviously I remember her from the soap, but yeah, there's like lifelong connections there. You know, what's weird is if, if we, if as soon, right after I was born, my father moved to Newport beach, which is, you know, 60 miles South of Los Angeles, you know, his home up there. So I didn't have, even though I had connections through him to these people, I never saw them. They weren't part of my life. And my childhood, my childhood was all down here. This was a small town. People came in the summer. They didn't live here year round. It was very quiet. And then, you know, the rest of my life was on location or on that boat. So gone a lot. And for that reason, you know, a lot of interruptions in relationships because a movie's three months, you know, maybe the boat's a month and then it's just odd. So I, it wasn't a constant in my life where if I lived in Los Angeles, they would have probably been more of a constant in my life as a child. Right. And that, you know, I'm not so sure that had been the, uh, the best thing either <laughs> growing up, you know, I guess it doesn't matter to your influences are, but um, yeah, I loved growing up down here, you know, as an outdoors kid, this was a, like a, you know, you had the ocean and the bay and hills, and, you know, you could ride your bicycle literally all day long everywhere and have a great adventures with your pals. It was really fun. It's not too far a drive to get to skiing, right? And, you know, Big Bear Lake is right there, which I was able to do a backpacking trip uh, earlier this year there, which I loved. But just all in that southern realm is just amazing. So, you, again, a couple other shows and things like that. And then, of course, for some reason, they had you on the History Channel uh, on Pawn Stars for, as an expert on on something. So, but I'm wondering why that was. But from supposed John Wayne stuff, you know, I don't, I don't really know. You know, I gave my best judgment, and looked at stuff, but those guys were nice and they had good success, and the show was interesting. I watched it. You know, like like your your channel, I follow it. It, it helps me. It you know, those little reminders make a difference. So I'm curious what your your story is related to Big Jake. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you can get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash SelfCareSavage. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash SelfCareSavage. Yeah, so let's tell, let's talk about that, that you brought you know, as things have changed for me, I've started looking back and seeing my past, which was pretty jacked up for the longest time growing up. You know, there was just a lot of things that got covered up and a lot of things that were of, of, of something that, as I think back now, now that I remember them, there is those feelings of, oh, my gosh, I mean, that um, that there is hope or or, or there, or there are men like your dad, you know, that are on screen. Even if it might have been more of a fantasy, it was just that, you know, it was something I needed. And so, I was nine-ish, nine-ish years old when Big Jack came out. And I'm not so sure what time of year it came out, but I know that where I found it was a couple of years after my parents' divorce. We lived in a very uh, risky type area. 
but we had there was a little strip mall a couple of blocks down this down the way and this is back the late really late uh, 60s i think and uh when did that come out 68 or do you you may not remember that was nine so 72 62 71 71 okay Anyways, it was, it was summertime and I spent a lot of time alone as a kid. Um, My parents were divorced. Again, my dad was uh, thankfully out of the picture a lot then. And, but my mom was back in school trying to become a therapist. She was doing internships and working. So me and my sister were, you know, it was, it was back one of those deals. We were just, it was just situational. We, We were alone. And, but, and so I was that kid that was all over everywhere. I was sticking my nose and everywhere and I was walking in the creek and running across the roads to get over to this kind of thing. Just, you know, cause I didn't have any supervision, but anyways, it was summer. It was warm. I remember this cause I was out of school and I came to this old strip center and it had two theaters in it. And I remember the other movie that was playing with it. It was Toro, 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 but that was playing in the other theater. That's why I remember this too. But anyways, big Jake was playing and so I snuck in because I didn't have any money. And uh, so I snuck in and I watched the movie and I was just, I was just at awe. I was, at, I was at awe at, um, you know, the bad stuff at the beginning was, you know, just everything getting ripped apart with this family and then you getting kidnapped and, you know, your dad is playing this character that's, you know, away from strain from the family and the ranch and, you know, everybody knows who, uh, who he is. And, um, anyways, and then he, at the beginning of the movie, he, you know, saves the guy that's fixing to get hung. All these things are happening because he stepped in because the kid got pushed. All that stuff just hit me all that. It was just all of these little messages in there and what he did and stood for was so much what I needed was this man that was tough as nails that just would just, he would protect everybody and and not put up with anything. And that was uh, what I, what I would have loved to have had. And even he'd be rough on you and tough on you, but he'd just give you a big bear hug. And so I was just so enamored with that. And I so needed that. So I told my, I actually told my mom about it. I think that night I had a story reversed a different way, but I remembered it actually now happening this way. And I said, look, I snuck into the movie and my mom was not the kind that <laughs> really cared so much. But I, uh, and, but the next day she said, well, why don't you go again? And she gave me the money to go. So I went the next day. Well, Ethan, I think I told you when I originally told you this story, I don't even remember, but I know that I went and saw that movie every day, whether I snuck in, whether I had the, the dollar 30 to get in at that time or whatever it was every day. Just because it made me feel good. And man, did I need that. So that's why this story is such a value to me. And and we talked, you and I talked about this, about your dad and these characters he played and what he represented. And there's nothing like that today. There's not this one actor who plays these parts and has a strict code kind of on how he presents himself on screen. And a lot of them are the same kind of a character, but they're so different and that, but they have these same messages in there. And then the other piece, when I started before I contacted you and started researching this a little bit before I got the courage to say, well, I'm going to try to reach out and see if anybody will talk to me, but is how, y'all are doing with him now, what, you, what you're doing with your dad now, with his presence on social media, y'all are active with it, uh, the the new John Wayne experience in Fort Worth that I can't wait to get to, uh, the, the, you know, the Cancer Foundation you and I talked more about, and, the, you know, y'all are, I mean, it's just an active thing, and this, you know, again, not harping on, on that, but your, you know, your dad died in 1979. Not many people from that period have carried this over. So that's a big tribute to, I think, the family. This is, again, I'm assuming things, but I it's just somebody's got to be doing this and you guys care about him enough to do this. It's a, you know, it's a tribute to him. I don't think anybody thought that he'd still be popular at this time. I mean, 
my brother t Michael talked about this a lot. He's like, you know, my brother retained uh, the company Batjack, that was my father's production company, and um, you know, nobody knew that there was going to be VHS tapes and then DVDs and and digital downloads and all these different ways that that a film would create income. Uh, but there were, and I think my dad, you know, he thought, oh, I'll make a movie; it'll come out. It runs for a little while, and then it's over. And and I think Michael had some foresight into thinking. It's going to be something, you know, whatever. So there was something that Michael did really well with that. It's funny. I, you know, I don't think my father thought that, that he would have this much of an impact this long after his death. But what you, what you say about those movies, you know, it's, um, it gives you a good feeling to watch them. And, you know, he was pretty consistent, you know, for 50 years or longer delivering that feeling and trying to represent the best of what we could be, you know, you know, beyond the best of what we can be as an American, uh, but the best of what we can be of what he could be as a man, you know, what's, what's a difficult decision, but a better decision. I don't think we're, we don't have many examples of that today in our media. And I think people love him for that. And that's why he's still popular. I don't know. I think all the time, like, are, are we doing the right thing? Like, should we just stop and let the movies be, you know, his, that was him. But, you know, before he died, he sold us the rights to his name. It was just like this well-rooted check and bought it from him. And, you know, Michael did it for a long time. I I never thought I would be doing this and, until he got uh, older. You know, I'd, I'd worked on a couple things with him and then he died suddenly. It was a, a learning curve for me and it was, you know, it was really like licensed product and should we do it? Well, we got to protect, you know, trademarks and we got to clean up the market from infringers and all that. And, and I still like some of it, I'm like, gosh, it, it seems odd to do this. You know, I'm not, not sure this is what it is. And as, as the business has changed, as, as we've gotten the opportunity to, to create that museum in Fort Worth, we call it John Wayne, an American experience because his life was a very American experience. You know, humble beginnings, a lot of focus, a lot of effort. You know, he tried going here, it didn't work. He tried going here, it didn't work. He tried going here, it didn't work. But this this was a path. This movie business became a path for him that he never saw. And even in the movie business, his goal was director, not actor. But, you know, you, you take what you're given. And he was going to be originally a lawyer, right? Didn't he want to be a lawyer? For the Naval Academy. And then he wanted. Then he started in, in law school. He couldn't get in the Naval Academy, but he was going to school on a football scholarship and got an injury down here in Balboa, body surfing, I think, uh, or he broke a leg. I, I've heard two stories. I have no idea which one's true. But he lost his football scholarship and got a job over at Fox Studios, and they put him on John Ford's set as like handy boy cleaning up after leaves blew or herding ducks or whatever he had to do. You know, many people know the story. John Ford played football. And so he told my dad to get down into the stance and everybody, my dad said, everybody used to ask you to get down in the stance. So I just got down all fours. I didn't really get in a real football stance where I was balanced. And John Ford kicked my hand and my face hit the fake mud, which was like rough. And it pissed me off. And he said, let's try that again. And just as John Ford came to do it again, he kicked him in the chest and he fell back on his butt and there was dead silence. And then John Ford laughed and they had that connection, that that start of a relationship where John Ford's, you know, as high as you can get in the film business and John Wayne's as low as you can be in the in the film business. Yeah. And your you know, dad's kicking him in the chest. <laughs> but, you know, I guess at that time they maintained a relationship. They worked on the same sets and they did things and he kept him around and moved him up to other jobs and made him a production assistant and gave him little walk-on parts and things like that. And then my father was, was hired to be a star in a movie called The Big Trail, which... Which flopped, right? Yeah, it, didn't, it wasn't a financial success. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, he spent 10 years just grinding, but working, working through the Great Depression, you know, got married, had kids, kept working, 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 until his old friend, 10 years later put him in this vehicle and really made him a star. And then how how that guy from Stagecoach morphed into this moral compass for so many 
men. And, and you know, the, the thing that I feel bad about sometimes and that I missed as a young man was he, he was my father. So I didn't get what you were getting from the screen. He was just my dad at home. When we'd screen movies at home, okay, we'll watch True Grit, but then can we watch on any Sunday? You know, and then can we watch Bullet? You know, and then we'd be excited about the other stuff. Just because you're a kid, you have no idea, you know. I think about this all the time. I missed some of what you got at nine. I didn't get it. And, and it wasn't like he didn't really, I don't remember him delivering those messages to me as, as a young boy. And then when my parents split, I just remember that the house didn't have like that feeling that you got in the movie theater. All of a sudden that feeling was gone from me when my parents split up and the house was a different place and her house was a different place. And I never felt that love or that whatever that was until, you know, later in life. And, and so many people come to me and go, you know, your father was my father. Like he raised me. I looked at him and he gave me hope. And then when I, you know, when I finally lost him at 17, oh my gosh, like I wish, you know, I made so many mistakes as a young man and, and maybe everybody does, but I don't want to use that as an excuse I was not the person that I wanted to be, you know, for years. And it's funny, like if I circle back and I go, you, you all you had to do was watch the movie. <laughs> so many questions, you know, they're like, they're like in these movies, you know, he left you like this breadcrumb and then, you know, you're just like, how did I not see it for so long? No, no, no. I so appreciate all that because, you know, you're talking about, you know, men grown men now who who like look john wayne was a big part of my development as a man i absolutely 100 percent believe that i mean a lot of people maybe can't see that but i get it and and that was the kind of presence he had and here's the other thing i think was a big reason for that was the consistency of it Look, he had a few of his movies and a few things he did a little off the, here and there, but that message of, and who he was and what he did, and, I, and I, I think I read a little bit about it and have an understanding. You know, I mean, that was that was there was just a couple of things that were just non-negotiables. You know, in these westerns, and correct me if I'm wrong, like um, like uh, he's not going to shoot a, another character in the back. Is that true? That's true. And he's also not going to shoot someone who's unarmed. Is this the part where you're trying to trip me up? No, no, but I, it, those are in here, but I'm just kind of throwing them out now as they come up. You know, I think about it because when he did the shootist, uh, the director wanted him to shoot one of the guys in the back because he had to clear out the room of whatever. And he said, no, I'm not. But I learned these things like you do. You know, I, I wasn't there or I wasn't aware of these things that were going on when I was a kid. You know, I wanted to go play with, with this guy and ride the horse or, you know, go shoot the guns or check and see if these are you know, polite, like whatever chores we had on the set. Well, the other thing is, is that there was certainly a rumor that uh, your dad uh, was friends with Wyatt Earp later in Wyatt Earp's years now, which, and I don't know how much is true or not, but what I'm gather, gathering now is he actually never met Wyatt Earp. I don't, that that's what I'm getting. I, I don't know for a fact what it was, but no, I think they did meet. Wider was in Los Angeles. They did spend time together. And I think if you look at, at people who had a, a tremendous effect on my father's personal life and his professional on-screen image, you know, there's John Ford, there's Yakima Kanut, who's a stuntman, there's Harry Carey Sr., who is an important actor. And then Wider was in there. And I think a lot of the... Uh, if I could be wrong, but I think the way he tried to speak and cadence and movement and things came from collecting from these guys things that he could use in his, you know, artist's toolkit. And that's what they said was uh, that what the the, art, the last article or whatever I read about it said whether he met him or not, it does seem to be fact that John Wayne took those two things that Wyatt Earp seriously believed in you know real life stuff was not going to shoot anybody in the back and uh not going to shoot an unarmed man so whether that was or not it's just it's this is what somebody like your dad and and just his life and and i mean these are 
things that are just going to get attached. I can just imagine how some stories were, were going around. But well, whatever he did, he made us believe him, like that he would never do it. Like you, you, you can watch it today. You know, go watch five John Wayne movies and tell me you're not affected in some way. I agree 100%. And there's so many things. I just geeked out on it. So later on in my teenage years and then up through my 20s especially, I geeked out on John Wayne stuff. So I geeked out on um, for, for a long time. So first of all, there's two connections. These aren't to stump you, but these are a couple of things. As This is after I talked to you, after you know, I realized this memory that I... I always knew it was there. I just never, I lost the feeling. I guess the, the burying everything was the feeling and because it was a happy feeling. So everything I was dealing with and living through and what I was doing, I just buried any happy feeling. So that's what got uncovered. I always knew I loved that movie, but it was, it was not in much of his impact until I went back and rediscovered it. Now, but there's, I geeked out on it later on. So there was two connections. I also remember when my parents were married, my dad never really took to anything much, <laughs> but there was one thing he did, and it was a cat. It was this big old mangy cat, and uh, I remember our garage, and it was the typical guy. You know, he was in the construction industry, but the typical guy that had the, you know, the little workshop and the bench and all this stuff. And I remember this cat walking across it. It's the, this I have this vivid memory, but the cat's name was Hondo. So you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, so. And this is, again, where some other connections are coming in. This is something I'm going to try to stump you on here in a minute. Anyway, so there, there was that. And then I forgot completely. I was actually right out of high school, um, probably just a year or two. And it was the Urban Cowboy Days back then. And I was actually a bartender. So I worked in Dallas at a downtown at a big, fast cowboy bar uh, called The Corral back then. I, I met this girl in there and I, I can't believe I remembered this. And I even, we dated a long a while. She was a skier and she was from Wyoming. We even went back there and all that. Well, I come talking to her and she finds out I'm a John Wayne, you know, of course, you know, something she probably saw one of the, 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 uh, the man dolls I had of your dad. She, uh, she goes, well, my uncle was Chuck Robertson. Oh this was gosh. Chuck Robertson's niece. So if anybody doesn't know who Chuck Robertson is, Chuck Robertson was an actor too, but... Chuck Roberson. Ro it's Roberson, sorry. Roberson. Roberson, it is. And I, I made sure not to put that in. Okay, so Chuck Roberson ended up being John Wayne's stunt double for 30 plus years. And uh, so that was something that was kind of amazing that, for me anyways. I was like, oh my God, I forgot about that. So a couple, again, geeking out on everything, I have five unwrapped VHS tapes of his, five of his movies. And I have the two dolls, the, uh, the, uh, the cowboy one, you know, and then the, the military one. Um, and I have a bunch of books and I have, I, I just remember I have a bunch of his just portraits, pictures that people got me as a present or something, you know, that was framed like a picture of him and one of his characters or something like that. So I have a bunch of that stuff. So I geeked out on him pretty good. Um, I have somebody got me an actual letter that he wrote to somebody, uh, which I actually have, which um, when I pull this stuff out, if, if it's any interest to you, you can have it. Uh, I would rather you have it if it means something to you guys at all. But um, and then what else? So and then the other couple of things I'm going to mention. So that were always in his movies that I learned about. So tell us why your dad's handle on his 3030 was oversized again you know i wasn't born but what i think the story is is that on stagecoach they wanted his opening scene on stagecoach john ford wanted him to do something something unique they were talking about you know this and that maybe you could do this whatever and i think it was yakima canut said hey i i saw this uh, wild west show and I don't, I don't know if it was Buffalo Bill, you know, it was a Wild West show. And he said this guy spun a spun a Winchester and he had a big loop on it. And so they put a big loop on one and he tried it and the barrel kept hitting him in the shoulder. And so they cut the barrel short and uh, they were able to do it. And that's how they, you know, they rack focus in on him. And then he spins the gun and says, hold on. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just so memorable. And, and I believe that's where that big handled Winchester came from. They were just trying to come up with something that was 
new and unique to put on the screen. So the other piece of that is part of it and part of the all coming to that was the size of his hand. Is that correct? Because his hands were so big or very large that it was like a large framed guy. You know, I always I would look at my wrist and think one day they're going to grow one day. You know, I'm going to get big wrists like my uncle and my dad had huge forearms and you know, my dad's 6'4", 265, and my mom is barely 5 feet, 95 pounds. So I just, I never, I didn't get it from him. <laughs> you know, I'm always like, oh my gosh, my wrists are so little. He was, my, I was a young man, but yeah, my, my memories of him were of, of a, a big guy. And even in his, you know, when he's 70, you'll see a picture of him sitting sideways and the back of his neck to the front of his neck, you know, it's like that big. You know, he was a he was a large and, large and that's going to be a, an attraction to you know kids or you know young men and things like that. Because again, you know, my mom used to always say, you know, because I was a tall kid, I'm six, almost six three, but um, and I was always tall, and she would always say, she said, you you've already have attention, you already when you walk in the room everybody's going to look at you just because you're tall. You're not, you're not that you're not a normal height. You're going to be. So I think that's all part of like with him too. I mean, you know, if you want a big, you want someone to be your dad and you want a big, powerful guy, you know, you're, you know, he's the guy, you know, he's the guy he just got, he's just right there. Okay. So his pistol, he always had that one yellow handed pistol. Is that correct? In most all of his movies. In, in, the, in the later ones. In the later ones. Okay. Yes. Yeah, the, what, yes. The ones that I'm mostly familiar with. Over, I think they were ivory handles and they'd, they'd, if they had to make new ones, they'd soak them in tea, black tea, to get the, the varnish or the little tint on them. That I didn't know. And, and you know, when my father passed, he, he didn't leave all that stuff to the kid, like, like all his important pieces that, that he had went straight to the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum in Oklahoma City. And so in his will, the house that I lived in, I drove my dad to the hospital. He never came out and I couldn't go back to my house because it was locked tight. I didn't get back in there until the executors had gone through and, and cleaned out everything that was marked in the will to go. And then I, I think we were let in. Like all my brothers and sisters and I were let in with like 10 stickers, you know, and we had to put stickers on things that we wanted. And we took that and then everything else was put away in storage. And I didn't know about it, you know, for 40 some odd years. Really? Until my brother passed when I took over Joey Enterprises. I'm like, what does Joey Enterprises have? Like, what what is this storage bill? Like, where is this place? Let's go go look and there are all these wooden vaults stacked in a big warehouse and we pulled them down and, you know, looked through it. And, and then when we saw what was inside, you know, we realized, Oh, this is some really important stuff in here. And, and people might have an interest in, in us sharing it with them. And then years later, we were able to do the uh, American experience exhibit in the Fort Worth stockyards, which is, I feel like that's a great legacy for my father. I feel, you know, proud of that. And I, I think it's really good for him to have that. Some of the other things we do, we're just trying. We don't know. You know, I know the, the work that we do in, in cancer, he has that incredible film legacy, uh, but he also has a really solid legacy in, in fighting cancer. The doctor that took care of him ended up being, you know, he's a magnificent researcher, but melanoma intrigued him because it's such a difficult cancer to trace. And so a lot of the technologies that he was trying to develop for melanoma Maybe didn't work for melanoma, but his colleague said, this works for breast cancer. You know, it works for this, it works for that. So a lot of the things that he was working on have now gone over and become a standard of care for breast cancer, a standard of care for something else, or tracing the system, or vaccines, or monoclonal antibodies, or, you know, just so many immunotherapies. Like So many of those things were done by the doctor that was taking care of my father. And when my father died, he said, use my name to help these guys do something. And so with the leadership of Don Morton, we supported. There's a surgical oncology fellowship program that, that blossomed out of that. We've trained over the years, almost 200 surgeons. Uh, now those guys are top of the charts in their disciplines, brain, breast, melanoma, GI, urology. They're, they're the best of the best. They do research. They're incredible human beings. That continues. We have a program at UCI. 
here in Southern California. We're starting one in Texas Tech next year, and we have planned to start another one. I won't mention the facility's name, but but all top-notch cancer centers. We got a, a program called Block the Blaze. We've educated 620,000 kids so far on you know the ABCs of skin cancer and how to be safe in the sun and you know what they should be thinking about. I, I was never told this stuff, but if, if you can keep a kid from getting a blistering sunburn before they're 20, they're 50% less likely to develop a malignancy. So that's, you know, my gosh, that's such low-hanging fruit. You know, this research is so expensive and so difficult. We can just give this information and get in front of 50%, you know, of of these terrible uh, skin cancers. So that program we started here in Newport Beach with the Junior Lifeguards program, they let us come in and present to the kids. Now we're, I think we're in uh, junior lifeguards programs from the Mexican border to the Canadian border and in 16 other states. We've got colleges picking that program up. We've got it, you know, people can get it online. We've got packages that we can deliver. Uh, We're hoping to get in with 4-H and FFA this year. I don't know if you saw the truck giveaway that we're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, I was telling Paul about that. Yeah. You know, they they wanted to make a ranch truck because my dad had a, a big ranching history. And then they... I have an old truck that I bought from my brother and they saw that and they heard the story of that. And they're like, Oh, let's make another one. Let's make one of those too. So we'll have that truck out at some of our grit series runs, you know, the grit series runs, they're kind of a vehicle for us to let people know what John Wayne does in cancer. They can help support, you know, they can come buy an entry and run or what really moves the needle for the cancer foundation is if they do a little bit of fundraising. Like if they just do a little extra fundraising besides buying that entry, they move the needle for the Cancer Foundation forward quite a bit. So we've got five of those uh, across the country next year, and we'll have the truck at some of those things. Yeah. When I took over, it was all licensed product. It was really one license. And then that, that company was restructured and we lost that. So, you know, for me, trying to figure out this celebrity thing, it was weird, you know, and now that we make our own product. And so I can be much more proud of the product that has John Wayne on it now than I was there. But yes, I'm constantly thinking, am I doing the right thing? Like if I bumped into him, if I come around a corner and I bump into him, what's he going to say to me? Good or not good, you know? So I try to always keep that in mind and, and weigh all the decisions against something like that. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. That's uh I can imagine the the thought, the uh, a little bit of the stress, a little bit of wanting to to make the what you feel is the best decision to represent not just him but the family and everybody involved and and John Wayne's decision making, which was typically not for short term gain, but for long term moral decisions that can be difficult that will allow you to have self respect. At the end of the day, you know, even back then, you know, he was that that wasn't typical. There was a lot. And I'm not trying to say today in the way the morals and the way the world works and people think today are 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 bad and poor. I think it's just different. You know what? Who better? Because that's not something you're getting on screen and you're just going, I'm going to present this is who I am. I mean, he he want, he was presenting who he was most of the time. That is, and then you know, staying true to that. He was presenting John Wayne, and I think John Wayne was a was a was a like a a compass bearing for him as well, right? Because at home he's not John Wayne. You know, at home he's he's Duke to his wife and his family and his friends. But you know, to to have something like John Wayne on screen to help you aspire to be better. You know, we're all humans. We're all subject to the same issues. And to have, you know, an example that's inspirational to help you make better decisions for yourself and your your loved ones, it's important. And it's still important to a lot of people what he represented on screen. And I, it would be great if we could have somebody like that in our all our new media channels. Somebody who can just, you know, you go to and you remember. You know, Scott, your friendly reminders they help, you know, they really help. You know, I'd seen you before, I don't know, maybe 10 times, you know, I'm like, oh, that was, that was good. I like that. I saved some of them, you know, I'm like, that's, I'm gonna put that in my little wisdom folder. So, so those kinds of things help, like John Wayne helped, 
your messages help people. And, and at the end of the day, his films were, you know, they were little messages. Sure, there were stories, and there was adventure, and there was humor, uh, and there was like spectacular cinematic vistas. But there were all also those, and I don't know if moral compass is the right thing, thing to say, but there were, it was good. It was on the good side of life, not on the, the dark side. You know, Ethan, my, my oldest son is 29 now. We were just, we were having a conversation uh, probably three, four, five years ago. I don't remember exactly when, and I bring it up every once in a while because it, it's always stuck with me and, and, and it's a big part of this and it connects something here. So he was, when your kids get older, of course, they start asking questions and getting inquired about the family or something like this. And he was telling me a story about something. I don't remember what it was, but he, it was something that was a little, you know, distressful for him when he was a kid for whatever reason. And I asked him, I said, if you could go back and you could change that. Would you? And he didn't pause. He said, Dad, I wouldn't change one thing, one second, anything that's happened to me, anything that I've seen, done, experienced, been a part of, because it would not, then I would not be who exactly I am today. It rings so true. And what connects the dots here is your dad is part of what I do now. He's part of my life. He's part of that. He's part of who I am. He has a little bit of a more of a piece that is magnified because it was movies and that and a very disturbed young man at that time needed something. And so that's a little bit more there. But he's he's one of those pieces that brings that. I appreciate what you're saying that. And I just want to set connect that back that who I am is is that's why I'm so happy to, you know, having you here and talking to you about this because it's. I want to be able to say this and tell people these things um, that are that are really meaningful, and that's all part of anything that I do now. So, thank you for saying that. But I want also wanted to say that on top of it. Well, I also look. You know, I, I think back, and sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, God, gosh, I wish I hadn't made that mistake or treated somebody like this or done that, because the reference point is John Wayne, you know, on screen. <laughs> And so to think, you know, I was 17, didn't have a dad, you know, okay, you've got to stub your toe a few times before you learn all the lessons. And I, I didn't know my dad as a young man, so I, I didn't have the opportunity to sort of grow with him. You know, he was already established. And so that I have felt that from time to time. But then I, then I got to reset and say, hey, we're human beings. You only know what you know. And, you, you know, you got to keep moving forward and trying to figure things out and and try to become a better person. Yes. All right. So I'm going to ask you some questions now. I'm going to ask you just some stuff because I know we're running out of time, but I want to ask you a few things, see if I can stump you. But I also want to say one more thing. So in that, in the scene of that movie, one of the things that I'll never remember, and this is another thing too, this is part of who I am, is your face. And let me tell you what, is when you, all the, toward the end of the movie, all that stuff was happening. They were exchanging the, you know, what was not money, but the, uh, the box full of paper for you and all that was just all that was happening. And then they end up, you end up getting back into your dad's hands from the movie and y'all are somewhere. I think he gets shot or something like that. And I just don't remember exactly what happened. His name got brought up or something, but you, I'll never forget you asking him. This is one of those things that this is just a knee jerker for me because of, again, that time period of my life. But I just remember you asking and saying, asking, are you my granddad? And just that, that little moment there, as gushy as that may not mean anything to anybody, but all that right there was just like, oh my freaking God, I want to have that. <laughs> I want to have that feeling in that moment. Man, when I look back at it, you know, it was, we were, we were just, you know, doing a scene, but when I look back at it, it was my heart because I, I didn't have that much time with my dad and to have that preserved, you know, that I can always go back and watch it. It's, it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Okay. So let me, let me ask you a few questions and just things I have written down and see if, Oh, so here's one. So I'm sure you know this one, but a lot of people may not know this. So what, what famous back then 60s, 70s TV show and character did your dad turn down? Well, Gunsmoke, right? The character, who was the character in that? Was it? You got it. You got it. Say it. So it was it was Matt it was Matt Dillon, Matt Dillon, yeah, and uh, James Arness. Yes. So here's some connecting some of these dots. James Arness 
was under contract to my dad's production company. And so my dad could have either taken that job or he didn't take it and he put James Arness up for it and they hired James Arness. What my dad could have done is, you know, my dad pays him a hundred bucks a week. He owns them. So he could rent them to that thing and get $5,000 a week and keep the difference and just keep him under contract. But when they picked James Arness, my dad just said, just let him out of his contract. So good luck. You know, and there was another, I think, three decades long career. Yes. Well, not only for James Arness, but all the supporting actors, Buck Taylor. Yes. Just, just incredible. That was, uh, I mean, I think the people don't realize it for so long, it was the longest running series show on television. What was it? 20 years back then. I mean, there's been a couple that have, but I mean, it's, I mean, come on. But that, that, that was, so if people don't know that, that was, that's, that's a pretty, to me, that's pretty incredible. And that's a little bit of more story you added around that. I always like um, those stories about how people get parts. You know, even when I see it today, you know, or you get to see some other person read for a part that somebody else got. And, and the other people are reading are, you know, maybe bigger stars or certainly established people. But you watch them do it. And then you see the guy who actually gets it. And you're like, oh, yeah, look at that. That's he's that guy. Those other ones aren't. You know what, Ethan? I'm so involved with social media now. It's just such a big part of my life and trying to spread my message. And so I've learned a lot from it. And one of the things I learned, it's not so much with the big names, big entertainment actors and things like that, but I read an article where they were talking to a bunch of, you know, up and comers and things like that because they were talking about social media. So that's why I was interested. But they started asking uh, about them going up against each other for parts and different things that were happening. And I learned this, maybe you've already heard this, but a lot of times... And, and again, unless they're a, an established kind of name, when they're up for these parts, a lot of times they'll pick the one that has the largest social media following because it, it originally it helps initially boost the the movie if they have a, a large following. So if you've got one of these stars that's got 20, 25,000, they don't really care about social media. You know, they show themselves on a dirt bike every once in a while or something. You got one that's on it all the time. Here's what I eat for dinner and 1.1 million followers. That's who they're, even though they're comparable, everybody's kind of the same. That's a metric. They're going to go, okay, let's look at their social media. Okay. Well, obviously we're taking this one because right there we sold more, this many tickets. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Okay. Let me see what else here. Let's see if I can rapid fire a couple of these things. Do you know the 10 singers, like very well-known singers of their time? Do you know what, what 10 were in your dad's movies? I'd say Dean Martin, Ricky Nelson, uh, who played my dad in Big Jake, Bobby Vinton. Who else? That might be the end of my list. So female, Friday. female too. Any females you remember? And Margaret. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, sometimes you'll watch a movie and you go, Oh my God, look, there's so-and-so in the back of the movie. I had no idea they were in so it. So I'm, 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 I, I'm stumping you. I'm going to get you on something here. So what, what other, what other woman can you think of that had some stature? She, uh, Yvonne DiCarlo. Yvonne DiCarlo. DiCarlo. Yeah. Did you yeah. think of someone else that I don't have? I didn't think of her as a, as a musician, as a singer. So if, if we're just looking at, at musical people, is that what you were thinking? Uh, well, singers, kind of like, you know, top-notch singers. Who was, what about country and Western? Come on. I'm, 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 if I get you on this one, I'm going to be very proud of myself. Not me. My brain's not there right now. So what movie did your dad win an Academy Award for? Oh, Glenn Campbell. Oh, that was, a, that was, that was I should have had that one. I was obsessed. You know, he cut his hair over. I want. I had curly hair when I was a kid, and I wanted that Glenn Campbell. Yeah, that. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Okay, so there was, and then there was Frankie Avalon. Oh, Frankie Avalon, sure. And come on now, now who is the most famous so singer? Frankie Avalon's married to a girl, and her sister is married to my brother Michael. Really? Yeah. So Gretchen and her sister. Gretchen's married to Michael, and her sister's married to Frankie okay, Avalon. Nice. So, who is the most famous singing cowboy? Come on. Gene Autry. No. Well, maybe no. so. Maybe so. But, well, no, you're right. Gene Autry is. Uh, but who was another singing cowboy <laughs> that was famous? Roy Rogers. Roy Rogers. There you go. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give you that yeah. one because you said it at the same time I did. 
Well, they were, I forgot, they were in one movie together. Yes, yes. And the name's escaping me right now. Okay, who is, out of all those we talked about, which two were in the same movie together? I have absolutely no idea. Okay, they were the first two names you said. So who was the first name I said? Uh, Dean Martin and Ricky Nelson. So that was Rio Bravo? Was it Rio Bravo or El Dorado? El Dorado. Oh, my God. I just got a double there. I just (laughs) – I got to go back. I got to go – I go, what year was it? You know, or who's the actor? Then I'll have to go look. Cause no, I'm messing with you. This is, but this is fun for me. It may not be fun for anybody else, but I'm having fun. Uh, okay, so let me see if there's anything. Oh, this one may just be for general. I know you'll know this, but just for uh, general knowledge. So your dad playing Ethan Edwards in The Searchers, and he used to say one thing that Buddy Holly ended up making or inspired Buddy Holly uh, with a song, a fam- very famous song that also the Beatles or. Lennon and McCartney re-recorded, and I think a couple other things did too, but came from Buddy Holly. What 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 was the thing your dad said? My father said, that'll be the day. That'll be the day, yep. Yeah, that's a good song. Good. All right, so let me, uh, anything you else? You're my memory, and I can't pull it up right now, but there's a few of those, and I'm always amazed at how, you know, when he's your dad, you, sometimes you don't have that grand perspective. And then you look, you'll, you'll see certain cultural things, and then you realize that they tie back to him, and you go, son of a gun, you know? Way to go, Dad. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not like he was keeping, you know, the uh, the youngsters out or anything. I mean, he was, I, I think he, he was really great about giving people opportunities and playing around with stuff and trying to be current, even though he was yeah. making Westerns all the time, you know? Oh, and because the, and the shootist, I mean, come on. You know, when I was growing up in the 70s, you know, one of the biggest shows out there was Happy Days, you know. So bringing in Ron Howard, I mean, come on. How brilliant is that? He, you know, that's that's the one movie set that I wasn't, wasn't really on. I think I was there once or twice, but I wasn't really there like I was on the other ones. I'm just wondering if that's because I was a teenager and we were like drifting a little bit. But I remember he, he loved Ron Howard. I, I'd like to have him uh, as a son. You know, he really thought highly of, of Ron Howard. And I think my little sister met him and certainly some of my older siblings. Ron met Howard him. has nothing but the two things that I've seen him. And they were random uh, that and I heard, he talked. Somebody asked him something about where he learned something around this. And he talked about the shootist and John Wayne. And he had nothing yeah. but great things to say about the impression your dad had on him. He, he seems like a. A really good man, Ron Howard. Yeah, I think he is too. He's very, very family. Yeah, he's uh, him and his wife were. They posted a photo driving a Volkswagen Bug, and it was the the car that he had. You know, when they first met, one of their first date on or something like that, and they still have it. And drive it's you know it touches you in your heart. Seems like a really solid individual. Crazy stuff. All right, so I think that that is. That is it. I'm going to, because I, what I'm going to do is, is I want to leave this on a winning note on my end. So we'll, we'll cut the question. It's right there. So if anybody wants to know anything about John Wayne, just contact me and I'll, and I'll help you out. I'm sorry, Ethan. Um, I, I don't know all the trivia. I, no, and I'm, I'm just messing with you. Look, I mean, come on, your dad made, Again, I, I looked it up earlier, and I, now I can't remember the, the amount, but it was eight. In fact, the article, I was telling Paul what I was reading, he either made 86 or 83 movies, whichever one it was. My dad, 170 starring roles. Why does it say 80, 83 or 86? And I watched him on a show the other day. Uh, it came up on YouTube. It was an interview, and he said, you know, I've done about 200 pictures if you count the, the quickie. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot. Because I think I knew it was significant, and 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 but um, again, so I got you on that one. I'm you did, on you know, Well, we'll see. I have to. I'm kidding. Unless you're setting me up for that. <laughs> no. So, Ethan, thank you so much for being on here. I mean, just for because I just got nothing but feel goods from this. It's really nice to get to meet you because I think you're a great representation of your your dad and just what y'all do. And I. 
you, you know, it's, it's your messages have, have helped and inspired me. And it's kind of cool to know that that ties back to my dad and, you know, we're all connected. And if you plant a positive seed, that positive plant will grow. 100. Abs- absolutely. Well, anything, anything else that I can let you have to, to mention or talk about something coming up or anything that you want to, or, you know, if, if people want to learn more about John Wayne or see what we do, you can go to johnwayne.com and, you know, you can learn about the experience, uh, the product, the cancer foundation events will all be listed there. And uh, we're a small company and, and we're just trying to, you know, share, uh, you know, parts of the, the guy that, that means something to people, you know, whatever you call that, that, that warm feeling that you got from watching him as a young boy. I think, you know, millions and millions of people got that. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. And I hope my podcast has helped you in some way taking the path to becoming a self-care savage. Make sure to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.